0: Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hello, everyone. So this last week was the final week of spoilers for Ravnica Allegiance, and we got some really spicy cards. But before we talk about the new cards that we think will have an impact in Commander... I want to tell you guys some exciting news. So Commander Theory has just launched its Patreon page, which means that all of you listeners can now start directly supporting the show and get access to some sweet rewards. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a patron, and you get to vote on what sort of content you'd like to see. Uh, You get a shout-out in the show's credits. You can join our Discord server so there's a lot to do and then of course if you're willing to spend a little bit more support us a little bit more then you've got some even better rewards so definitely recommend you all check it out go to patreon.com slash commander theory if you're on a tight budget and you don't think you can commit to becoming a patron you can also help us out by giving us a review on apple podcasts or stitcher it helps other potential listeners find us so we can grow our listener base invest some more time and money into the podcast, and produce better content, which you get to enjoy, free of charge. All because you took a few seconds to write a review. I want to give a shout-out to PotatoMan314 for giving us a review. Uh, PotatoMan314 gave us a five-star review. This podcast provides thoughtful discussion about the EDH format. So short, sweet, to the point. Thanks so much, PotatoMan314. So I want to start with the legendary creature that we learned about for Ravnica Allegiance. So this is the last new legend of the set, and it's a pretty interesting one. It's Nakia of the Old Ways. Three red-green for a 5-5 legendary centaur druid. You can't cast non-creature spells, and whenever you tap a land for mana, add one mana of any type that land produced. So I I think this, this card is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, there, there's a lot of great mana sinks that happen to be creatures if you want huge fat like Apocalypse Hydra and Savageborn Hydra are going to give you like a really great ratio of damage dealt for the, the mana you're putting into them uh, Hydra Broodmaster gives you just an army of dudes <laughs> uh, if you want to wipe out your opponent's mana base you can run Orcish Settlers that's <laughs> XX red tap sacrifice it destroy X target lands Pelucranos he eats all the small critters on the board because you can pay xx green and make him monstrous so he gets huge and then he gets to fight all any number of target creatures realm seekers it's from yeah. from the original conspiracy it comes into play with a one one counter for each card in each player's hand and then you can pay three mana and remove a counter to search your library for a land card and put it into your hand so it's it's enormous, and then it also gives you a great sink where you can just keep finding more lands and then produce even more mana. Yeah, um, cycle continues. Yeah, uh, I think that the, the restriction is real, and you do have to think about it when you're building your deck. You can't really rely on green staple non-creature spells, all those tutors that are so powerful. So you're going to be a lot more reliant on creature-based tutoring. So Fauna Shaman, Fierce Empath, those are going to be important. Although Mana Dorks although you can still play Mana Dorks like Lanowar Elves, Birds of Paradise, they aren't quite as strong in this list as they usually are because they miss out on Nikia's mana doubling. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking that you really want to focus on creatures that'll ramp you. So like Sakura Tribe Elder, Wood Elves, Farhaven Elve, Elvish Rejuvenator. Mm-hmm. Those like all increase your, your land base and then give you a uh, a nice boost and they're not hit by nikia's restriction also um creatures that give you additional land drops like uh, azusa mina and den oracle moldaya those are all pretty good here other things i think will be good regal behemoth yeah <laughs> double your mana again like if you're gonna have if you're gonna be running a ton of mana sinks then uh you might as well run a creature that'll double your doubling get you crazy quad mana I think Xenogod is good in this list. You're going to have a lot of large creatures you're Going to want to get even bigger and crash in with them. Yeah, they hit really hard. I also like Gruul Rage Beast, so you're not going to have as many good options for controlling the board. You don't get your beast within, so the Rage Beast will help you keep your, your opponents under control. Yeah, I didn't realize that Regal
1: Behemoth was a dinosaur now, and that's the best. Oh, I know. That's wonderful. Happy about that, Arata? Oh, man, yeah. No, I mean, I... I think that that is all pretty true. I think the only thing I'd want to add to that is that the good creature doublers are going to be very good in this deck too. So like Bramble Sovereign and Kiki Jiki, just because like if you're running these creatures that end up with spell effects tied to them, like obviously doubling that is good.
0: Mm -hmm. So, and then Bramble Sovereign is just very good in general. All right, I'm into it. Next, now that we've gone over the last legendary creature, let's talk about the last Planeswalker. This is Domri Chaosbringer, he is the new leader of the Gruul, and it's two red-green for a legendary planeswalker with five starting loyalty. He has plus one, add red or green, if that mana is spent on a creature spell, it gains riot. He also has minus three, look at the top four cards of your library, you may reveal up to two creature cards from among them and put them into your hand, with the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order and then minus eight, you get an emblem with, at the beginning of each end step, create a 4-4 red and green beast creature token with trample. So unfortunately, I, I don't think Domri is going to be very effective in Commander. Neither of his first two abilities protect himself or offer anything especially powerful. So I, I think, yeah, I don't think he's going to make an impact. What, what are your thoughts? No, yeah, I agree with this. They They seem to be making
1: a bunch of these kind of cheap, Planeswalkers for standard, and and cheap meaning like 4 mana or less, mm-hmm. and that just doesn't typically bode well for Commander. Usually 3 and 4 mana Planeswalkers are not at the power level that Commander kind of needs them to be, so this is just kind of too fair, and I think even if they had put the minus 3 as the Garak's uh, Caller of Beast plus 1, mm-hmm. like, that would have been fine. That would have been good, mm-hmm. but they didn't, and so
0: we just kind of have to deal with that yeah i feel like it's the only time we get planeswalkers that are actually relevant are when they have that line of like this can be your commander text yeah or if it's like dragon (laughs) planeswalker yeah (laughs)
1: six mana plus
0: yeah like i think that maybe in the upcoming uh war of the spark set we'll get another like seven or eight mana bolus that might be commander playable something but we'll we'll have to see yeah All right, uh, moving on to the the rest of the main deck cards. We're just going to go through these in color order. So I want to start off with Lumbering Battlement. This is four and a white for a four-five beast. It has Vigilance, and when Lumbering Battlement enters the battlefield, exile any number of other non-token creatures you control until it leaves the battlefield. Lumbering Battlement gets plus two plus two for each card exiled with it. So this isn't, exiling your own creatures isn't something you often want to do in Commander. <laughs> yeah. But I think this is notable because it creates infinite loops with Karmic Guide and a sack outlet. So you can put Karmic Guide onto the battlement and then sack him, get back your Karmic Guide. Karmic Guide comes in and returns the battlement to the battlefield and he puts her on the battlefield, the battlement again. Yeah. So it'll give you whatever, infinite of whatever the sack outlet generates which could be solid.
1: I think this is really interesting as like a bomb shelter kind of thing, but I, I don't think that's a good plan most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think I have a theory that one of the reasons, because we've talked about before on the show why we can't just get a fiend hunter with the new wording, I think it's because of arena. Yeah, I, I think it's to prevent misclicks in arena so that you accidentally... Really? Th- that's what I, I my guess is. Because other digital games have this kind of wording or that that wording intentionally
0: to prevent feel-bad moments like that. Well, I'm wondering why they can't just have, like, exile another, well, another target creature. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, it's, oh, it might be that, um, it's probably why they put that non-angel rider on... Uh, restoration angel. Yeah. Like they just don't want it to be so that you have two new fiend hunters or whatever. Yeah. Flipping or just getting rid of each other over and over and over. Yeah. Having. Same thing. Same reason they put the, although I guess like hostage taker can target your stuff. So like, yeah. So what's up with that? I have no idea. Hmm. Yeah. That's very silly. <laughs> yeah. I, I really wish they'd like, well, open up opportunities for more karmic guide combos more sun titan combos yeah like we're getting really close to a critical mass What with like mirror image phantasmal image like fiend hunter there's a lot of fun things you can do with sun titan Mm -hmm. but there's not there's not 10
1: of them yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's weird so and they're very inconsistent so
0: i just kind of want to see what they do from now on all right moving on to the next card benthic biomancer so this is a single blue mana for a one one merfolk wizard mutant it has one and a blue adapt one meaning if it has no plus one plus one counters on it put a plus one plus one counter on it and whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on benthic biomancer draw a card then discard a card so i i think this could be good in kumena Kumena wants to run as many merfolk that generate value as possible. He also fills out a spot on the curve that doesn't have a lot of good options. There aren't that many strong one-mana merfolk yeah, out there. Yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> um, and he also triggers every time Kumena activates his counter-granting ability. So every time you tap five merfolk to put a counter on all your merfolk, this guy gets uh, gives you a free loot. Yep. So I think I think it'll be good.
1: Yeah, I was saying this will come up a few times just because plus one, plus one counters, but Pure and Toothy might like this guy too just because they end up putting so many counters on guys. So this lets you get the good things you're looking for in that kind of list. Yeah. It's an interesting
0: one-drop. It yeah, it's a solid card. All right, uh, the next card has some a very narrow application. Uh, it is Eyes Everywhere. Two and a blue for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, scry one and you can pay 5 and a blue to exchange control of eyes everywhere and target non land permanent activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery so i think this card could be good in an Aminatu 2 list especially one that's on the budget side gilded drake is very very powerful in Aminatu 2 cuz you yeah. can just take somebody's your commander and then blink your gilded drake and take something else so Eyes Everywhere has the same functionality, but just for 9 mana instead of 2. <laughs> yeah. um, although you can take any any permanent, so that, that definitely is a benefit. But I think that's probably the best use for this card. Yeah, the art's very good too.
1: <laughs> we got a pretty exciting card, I think, and it's a common mm-hmm. <laughs> from this set. Do you want to read it
0: off? Sure. Uh, this is Persistent Petitioners. One in the blue for a 1-3 Human Advisor. It has pay one and tap. Target player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. Tap, it also has tap four untapped advisors you control. Target player puts the top 12 cards of their library into their graveyard. And the last line of text is the spicy one. Yeah. Uh, a deck can have any number of cards named persistent petitioners.
1: Woo!
0: So I'm I'm really excited to see this effect. And I think R&D calls it relentless yeah. after relentless rats. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to see this effect in colors other than black. The For this card in particular, I think the best way to make use of it is if you have Arkham Dagson as your commander. Yeah. And then, like, some maybe mana rocks or man lands that you can turn into artifact creatures easily, like Guardian Idol, yeah. uh, Mistress Factory, Ink Moth Nexus, whatever. And then what you do is play Arkham as soon as you can, Activate him as soon as you can, and then go get your Thrumming Stone. And then the first Persistent Petitioners you cast is likely going to get every other Persistent Petitioners (laughs) from out of your library. And then, you know, if you're running, say, 40 Persistent Petitioners, then you get to mill 120 cards right then, at that that moment. And that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot stronger than the rat... The rats with this effect, yeah. um, because you can kill someone instantly, like or, or or like you don't really give them a turn to. Do you have a wrath to yeah. deal with all these rats? It's just boom. If you don't have a way to not lose by your draw step, you're out. Yep. Um, what What are your thoughts on this card? Yeah, I
1: I agree. I think that the most exciting thing I think about this card is just the fact that they are willing to do that relentless effect in not just mono black mm-hmm. i'm very happy about that because there's a lot of effects that could be fun that aren't mono black specific but it's also nice that arkham daxon becomes a uh he upgrades from being this like boring fringe deck in the format to this really fun like replayable combo deck <laughs> that's that's uh that's nice That's
0: good for it, him. yeah, great arkham daxon finally gets his uh, finally moment gets, in the spotlight finally
1: gets a home <laughs>
0: Uh, all right, uh, next card is Terramander. Uh, this is a single blue mana for a 1-1 one, one Salamander Drake. It has flying and 7 and a blue to adapt for. This ability costs 1 less to activate for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. So we would be remiss if we did not mention <laughs> every single one blue mana evasive <laughs> creature in every commander for <laughs> set review. Uh, it is strictly better than some of the flying men variants, so it deserves a place in Edric. Mm-hmm. That deck just loves to curve out its one drop evasive creatures. Oh yeah, and this can certainly do that.
1: Yeah, this is a. So a stop! I know you're warming up your fingers about to type to every every person reviewing cards for Commander. Like, what about this card for Edric, mm-hmm. all you guys out there? But we did it. Not so, this. time. Not this time. We, we got you. We're we got your back. <laughs>
0: Oh, the next card is a really interesting one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it took a little while to, to figure out how to use this. So this is Awaken the erstwhile. It's three black black for a sorcery. Each player discards all the cards in their hand, then creates that many two two black zombie creature tokens. So I happened well, I like it in aggressive decks that yeah. have trouble against control. Cause it can just wipe out a handful of answers mm-hmm. so like Verina, for example she yeah. has trouble against control mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i also like it in decks that are good at playing out of their graveyard mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. like Verina, she's pretty good <laughs> at doing that um and then decks that can break the card symmetry like if they have their own zombie lord mm-hmm. so that your zombies are going to be bigger than your opponent's uh-huh. zombies so like Verina could yeah. probably get some good use i, out of this. I see that okay yeah. i got you uh, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, so the my first thought was Nath of the Guilt Leaf. You, It's a discard deck, so you kind of already want to make your opponents discard, but you break that symmetry so hard. Mm-hmm. Just for, like, five mana, like, maybe you get four or five zombies, and yeah, your opponents get some zombies, but then you also get all of these little, like, uh, elf warriors to go along with it, so kind of just with this card and like just some even something small like a vampiric rites on board you can kind of
0: break symmetry and pull ahead really really fast well well, also nath is likely to have other things like geth's grimoire yeah. or waste not yeah exactly so that even more than just getting nath's trigger you're likely to get something else to trigger as mm-hmm.
1: well yeah that's
0: definitely true and I, I do agree with you. I think that the
1: playing out of the graveyard thing is also good. So this could have a home in like three color to DC and stuff like that mm. too.
0: So yeah, it's, it's an interesting card. It's cool. Oh, speaking of interesting cards, uh, I, I like this one a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is font of Agonies. So for a single black mana, it's an enchantment. Whenever you pay life, put that many blood counters on font of agonies, and then you can pay one in a black, and remove four blood counters from Font of Agonies to destroy target creature. So I think it's very good uh, in commanders that can pay life for value. So Erebos, Chainer, Savra, Vona, and mm-hmm. Timna, all mm-hmm. of them i can easily put counters on this by themselves while still getting you value. And I think there's also enough black staples and lands that allow you to pay life for this to be playable I, th- I think this could potentially be playable in black decks even without a synergistic commander. Mm-hmm. So you've got your like Necropotence, fetch lands. You've got th- there's just a lot of it's a big part of black's color pie. Yeah,
1: no, yeah, the, I, I agree with that too. I think that it, this card could very easily be in decks with just black and the color identity, mm-hmm. just because like all of the Bandit Lord exists and stuff like that so or um oh no is ancient tomb damage it it is damage
0: unfortunately uh, yeah and and same with like a lot of the the black card draw effects they just it's you just lose life yeah paying life that's silly but for the activated ability there's plenty of activated abilities though that yeah that definitely pay pay life yeah
1: Yeah. but yeah no i I
0: think this has a home in a lot of different decks and that's really cool (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i'm into that card uh oh another cool one so Priest of Forgotten Gods is one in a black for a 1-2 human cleric. And she has tap, sacrifice two other creatures, any number of target players, each lose two life and sacrifice a creature. You add black black and draw a card. So sacrificing two creatures is pretty steep. Yeah. (laughs) But I think there are a few commanders that are so dependent on sac outlets that they'll be willing to pay it so savra queen of the golgari Mm -hmm. she has an ability whenever you sacrifice a black creature you can pay two life and each opponent sacrifices a creature so so that deck tends to run a lot of sack fodder like this will subsidize this makes it so that you can convert that sack fodder into like two rounds of grave pack triggers essentially yeah Uh, and also you get a free card and some mana yeah i think any deck that was
1: running like a Pheomancer mm-hmm. is probably gonna want this kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Or like blood gas basically skeleton. Yeah, and... that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I Nick a while ago had an, an on my death aspect deck that was like grindy mono black thing, pretty cool and it was a good deck. It was a good deck. And so I made a I made a few different mono black control <laughs> decks that I've taken apart. But I kind of landed on Liliana Heretical Healer, and it's kind of the same deal. I took a lot of notes from that deck, just of the good sack fodder, and I think both of those decks could end up running something like this, just because you ended up with so many little dorks. Mm-hmm. So I think that if your deck has a lot of little dorks in black, or guys you can recur very often, like, this is it's probably fine. Yeah. This is probably great. <laughs> oh god, this is... So this can I read this one? Yeah, go for it. So I know so many people who are very excited about this card, and uh, it is Mirror March. It is five and a red uh, for an enchantment. It says, whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, flip a coin until you lose a flip. For each flip you won, create a token that's a copy of that creature. These tokens gain haste, exile them at the beginning of the next end step. So there's there's a lot to
0: say about it. Do you want to start? Yeah. Uh so well, I I think the elephant in the room is like Zinder Spilt and Ocon. Yeah. <laughs> like, like this card could potentially generate a lot of coin flips for for that deck and yeah. and it's actually like good. Yeah. Under unlike the majority of That's coin, coin f- flipping cards. <laughs> yeah. The the one thing that like makes me a little bit concerned is like Zinder Spilt and Ocon. It's really seems like it would mostly be there just as a way to get coin flips rather yeah. than, like, a card that you actually want the effect. Most of the Zinderspilt no Con decks don't run a lot of creatures. Yeah. Because most. most of, like, coin flipping effects tend to be spells. And then also, like, you're copying Zinderspilt no Con doesn't do anything because they're just legendary. Yeah. So, really, this is just a way to—and and also, like, the creatures that you do run aren't great to copy— yeah, yes. it's just a bunch of idiots like molten sentry or whatever. Yeah. So if you're so if you want to just just want an enchantment that will get you coin flips, I guess this does that. But like the actual effect is not great. Yeah, in that deck. Yeah, there are many decks where I think it is great. Yes. Yeah. A- absolutely. I think a great point of comparison is flame shadow conjuring. Yeah. There's. A lot of decks that use that card decks with lots of etb triggers i'm thinking riku of two reflections mm-hmm. um, if you have a commander that triggers when your creatures enter the battlefield like perforos mm-hmm. or reaper king uh, both of those are probably going to be happy to run this card like perforos for example if you've got creatures that enter the battlefield and make tokens yeah <laughs> and you make a copy of that siege gang commander you also get all those tokens it's crazy huge yes. huge value What are your thoughts on this card?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I agree with that. I think whenever I see cards like this, since they did the commander rules change where you pick which legend you keep, I've thought about commanders that do actually want to be copied a little bit. So I I came up with like a really short list Mm -hmm. of those where it'd be good in the deck, but you also would make copies of your commander or Mm -hmm. you wouldn't mind it. So the token producers like Brea and Pia and Kieran, it kind of doesn't matter that they kill themselves because they leave behind a bunch of tokens in their wake that you can then abuse with the original copy and then like goto doesn't mind getting copies of himself because you just get more value on the goto train Mm -hmm. uh blade wing you get a bunch of dragons out so like late game you cast blade wing with this out and you get all your dragons back and i think the spiciest one i found was hazazan tamar tamar Mm -hmm. uh so if you've dropped your uh two-something on your Hazazar, you end up... You could possibly end up with dozens, if not hundreds, of uh, sand men. Is that what they're sand, still called? Sand warriors. Sand warriors, yeah. And that's pretty cool. On top... And this is on top of just having creatures that you would want to copy in these decks in general. So that was my little little list, little insight into that. I think this is cool. I think this is... Uh, if, you, Like you said, if you're going to be running Flame Shadow Conjuring, then this is probably fine for that deck too
0: yeah absolutely next card is uh, an interesting one i don't think it currently has applications in commander but yeah. it's a card i'm glad exists and it could one day lead to something yeah so this is biogenic ooze it is three green green for a two two ooze when it enters the battlefield create a two two green ooze creature token at the beginning of your end step put a plus one plus one counter on each ooze you control and you can pay one green, green, green to create a 2 2 green ooze creature token. Maybe one day ooze tribal <laughs> yeah. is going to be viable in commander, uh, but it's going to take a lot more playable oozes. And <laughs> either, true. yeah, and either like a critical mass of tribal effects that are as good as this guy, or a commander that explicitly rewards you for playing oozes.
1: Yeah, I've kind of come around. So, like, when I first saw this guy. I was like kind of underwhelmed because a lot of Simic this time around just kind of seemed like shark crab good lizard fish big <laughs> like lots of that kind of stuff and I didn't I, I liked Simic in older sets even if the mechanics weren't super in line with it like the first time around uh, Well, <laughs> I guess it kind of was because well basically Simic to me felt like it was a lot of pieces that came together mm-hmm. and this time around. With Adapt, it kind of seems... I see, like, how they fit together, but it seems a lot more, like, cookie-cutter, big-boy-fight kind of stuff. Like, you're putting counters on your guys and swinging with them because they're big, as opposed to, like, putting together a machine and, like, running the machine. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that you're right. Like, this will be good one day, maybe, if oozes are a thing. But in a vacuum, I was really hoping for, like the green mythic to be something more piecemeal, like something that like fits together into a machine or like an engine. So that's that's my spiel. That's mm-hmm. it. But I I do I think I'm
0: coming around on that card. <laughs> oh, the next card is a seems like a pretty powerful one with narrow applications. Yeah. That's true. Uh, so this is incubation druid. It is one green for a 0-2 elf druid. It has tap, add one mana of any type that a land you control could produce. If Incubation Druid has a plus one plus one counter on it, add three mana of that type instead. It also has pay three green green to adapt three. So I don't think that like paying the adapt cost is where it's at. I think if that's your plan, then you shouldn't run this card. Yes. But this card does seem really good with commanders, uh, green commanders that can easily put counters on their creatures. So uh, Anafenza 1.0, Gave, Azuri 2.0, Marath, Rishkar. Uh, It seems especially good in Kraj, because Kraj wants creatures that tap for a lot of mana, and he can put a counter on this. Because once you have a creature that taps for 3 mana, then all you... Especially 3 blue mana. Yeah. All you need is like a Morphling, a, a Soliton, a Simic Ragworm. There's so many creatures that can win you the game. From that point.
1: Yeah. No, this is actually... Would have been nutso back in the day. We had a friend who ran every version of creatures that could tap for three or more mana. Mm-hmm. Even if, like, you had to work for it. Like, tap for the number of L's you control or something <laughs> like that. So, this is pretty cool. In that... I think just, yeah, plus one, plus one counterless are going to like this a lot. So, pure and toothy again. Yeah. I, I also don't
0: adapt it unless you're really, really have to please all right uh next card is an an exciting one and i I want to point out that i think the the ractos mythics in this set were had a really good hit rate yeah they're like awesome they were so cool (laughs) so this is a pretty cool card it is captive audience five black red for an enchantment captive audience enters the battlefield under the control of an opponent of your choice at the beginning of your upkeep, choose one that hasn't been chosen. Your life total becomes four. Discard your hand, and each opponent creates five 2-2 two, two black zombie creature tokens. So I, I want to start off by saying that it's, I think it's a innovative design. Yeah. I really like the demonic pact style yeah. <laughs> of, of text, and it's pretty cool that this is something that enters the battlefield under an opponent's control. Mm-hmm. Although I think it kind of begs the question of like why i felt like this could have been templated as a curse mm-hmm. which would have been more well it could lead to more usage in the future if it's a curse and they ever print like a curse commander yeah because i think that like hosing one opponent really hard is exactly like the curse playstyle. yeah
1: <laughs> no that's that's probably my biggest criticism as well mm-hmm. is that i think that this would have been really cool if it was a curse i think that all those other things are pretty correct too i think that the idea of this enchantment that enters under an opponent's control i like that it's an enchantment because most colors can't even deal with that Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of cool stuff
0: going on with the design yeah I, i think there's um although i think uh it actually isn't quite as devastating as it might look like so i think the correct play for an opponent If you're under this thing and assuming, like, you have a decent hand and a a decent life total, you're probably going to choose to give your opponents the zombies first. Yeah. Because, like, your opponents are all going to know, well, this guy's life total is about to drop to four in a turn or two. (laughs) Yeah. So any any damage you send their way is pointless. Mm -hmm. Like, if they're at 36 right now, and any damage they take is going to be the same as if you had done nothing. So... They they'll give the five the the, the five two two zombies to each opponent. Your opponents will start attacking each other. The next turn, you're probably gonna discard your hand, but by then you've had like a full turn to play out everything that's relevant. Yeah, and, and like figure out what you're willing to sacrifice. And then on the last turn, if you haven't found a way to remove it by then, then yeah, your life total becomes four. And if that ever happens, then you will die. <laughs> but you also get a lot of time without pressure being applied to you Mm because people aren't going to be attacking you they're going to be kind of focusing each other you've got a whole turn to play out your hand or dig for an answer yeah so i I think that like given how much mana you're putting into it given how long it takes to work and the fact that it's only hitting one opponent i don't think it's super playable in commander Uh, I, i just think for like seven mana and three turns you can do a lot better to hose one opponent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's definitely true. I think that the fun part of it comes from the fact that probably there's going to be 15 zombies on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. So I think that might be relevant. I think it's just something, it's like such a weird design that people are going to just end up playing with it Mm because it's so splashy
0: and large and people like that kind of stuff. Oh, you know what it is? could be if they ever design if they ever like take a second crack at zedru and make him like grixis oh yeah, yeah. Like he should have been mm-hmm. it puts itself under the control of an opponent yeah all right yeah yeah there, there you go. go that's a use for it so no potential no current applications but there are some potential ones yeah also the, something the note
1: in the art that you you can't see in this auditory medium but football slip is there he was confirmed mm-hmm. so uh, we found him he was looking for blood sport <laughs> there you go little guy have a good time i know i wonder how many other cards he's hiding in i know <laughs> in this set uh... yeah um the next card is uh there's a lot to say about it for spoiler alert i don't think either of us like it too much but yeah it it kind of has a lot of discussion around it so do you want to
0: Sure, Sure. it is Ethereal Absolution. It is four white-black for an enchantment. Creatures you control get plus one plus one. Creatures your opponents control get minus one, minus one. And you can pay two white-black exile target card from an opponent's graveyard. If it was a creature card, you create a one-one white and black spirit creature token with flying. So I think that there's a couple things going on with this card, and none of them are at the rate you really want. This is sort of like a, an Immortal Sun type design where there's a bunch <laughs> of things going on and there's not a whole lot of decks that want all of them. Yeah. And you're, because they're putting so many different things on this card, you're not paying a great rate for any of them. So, like, if you're trying to kill your opponent's Mana Dorks, there's better ways to do it. You can, like, Massacre Worm them or you can Elish Norn them. Uh, if you're trying to boost your team, there's also better options. Like, elishnorn mm-hmm. or or dictative heliod if you yeah. want something less fragile and same with token generation there's way better ways to generate tokens than to pay six to get this into play and four to activate it and same for like hosing your opponent's graveyards like bajuka bog costs zero <laughs> you a land drop <laughs> yeah yeah I, I agree with that i think that the
1: each of the little parts is just like not enough, and I kind of have to admit that the minus one, minus one to opponents always is a little bit better than I give it credit for, but this is such a bad rate for that. Mm -hmm. It's not worth it, so I'm I'm more excited for, like, the story beats of what this card means. Mm -hmm. Like, when I saw this card, I went, whoa, not because of what it did, but because of, like, what it
0: implies for the future. Yeah, so you can't see this. Yes. But... uh... (laughs) The the art and the the concept of this card are Kaya and Tesa freeing all the indebted spirits of Orzov, and I think that's like really revolutionary and is going to have a huge impact on how the Orzov operates. Oh yeah, because it seems like so much of Orzov is built on the backs of these like slave ghosts. Yeah, <laughs> and so by freeing them, it's like who's gonna do all the dirty work yeah right now. for this organization mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that yeah like maybe they'll get thralls to do it but like then that's also kind of like a weird message like debt slavery <laughs> is bad but like chattel slavery is okay yeah. like
1: yeah it's kind of
0: if yeah. you're born into slavery it's fine this is just <laughs> your lot in life
1: <laughs> <laughs> no yeah i think that combined with like the priests of the elder gods that we just kind of talked about like mm-hmm. and some of the story beats who it, those of you have read the uh previous ravnica stories about Tesa and stuff confronting the at confronting like karlov and stuff there is like elder ancient magic on ravnica and like the Abzodat had this room that like harnessed some of that power so my in before for future Orzov, now that the ghosts are gone is that it kind of switches from, like, organized crime syndicate to cultist ritual stuff. Like, they maybe you're going to start worshipping these elder gods, and, mm. like, it goes from mob boss crime lords to, like, fanaticism of, like, a more... Less money-driven, more... Spiritual. Spiritual-driven,
0: yeah. I, I would definitely like that. I think there's definitely a, re- a rebranding going on. Yeah. Um... It felt like Wizards was in this set was really emphasizing like the debt and like the crushing like payments and yeah. interest rates and all like and it's really hard for people to get behind the Orzov and identify with the Orzov when they themselves probably have like huge student loan debt yes. <laughs> or, or stuff like that like. Cars, houses, everything. Yeah, like please don't remind us of our own lot' like <laughs> yeah. the worst parts of our own lives. Let's just have fun and pretend we're in a cult together. Yeah. So I th- I think that's cool. I I'm very excited to see, like, maybe in the next set we'll get a peek at like what the future Orzov is like. Yeah. So yeah, well may- maybe uh, you know, War for the Spark.
1: Mm-hmm. Um next card is uh something I didn't think we'd see.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, So this is Kaya's Wrath. It is white, white, black, black for a sorcery. Destroy all creatures. You gain life equal to the number of creatures you controlled that were destroyed this way. So there are relatively few four mana sweepers in Commander. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the arrival of a new one is pretty notable. That said, like, the mana cost on this one yeah really painful yeah (laughs) compared to like wrath of god damnation day of judgment all these like two xx or or two cc wraths white white black black is so hard to cast unless you have like a perfect mana base like i can't imagine a budget mana base realistically expecting to cast this on turn four
1: yeah (laughs) yeah that's sad i i think one of the things that is good about this card is that it's going to be cheaper and easier to get than Wrath of God. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think that, like, it's basically trinket tech, so, like, you gain life equal to the number of your creatures that died. Yeah. is also going to kind of introduce new players to playing it, because they won't feel as bad playing a Wrath. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the big things, like, when I started playing, is I was like, oh, why would I want to do this? I blow up my creatures. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't understand, and I think that's a pretty common misconception to have when you first see a card like this Mm -hmm. i'm excited for another four mana wrath um i think it's interesting that it literally has wrath in the name yeah
0: that's pretty great Mm -hmm. that's a nice little wink it's a nice yeah (laughs) but i think that like given how many options there are for board wipes in this color identity like i don't think this is going to be your it's not going to be your first choice it's not going to be your fourth choice it might be your 10th choice because you've got you've got to get through wrath of god damnation day of judgment toxic deluge austere command cleansing nova <laughs> and then there's like some other asymmetrical options like maybe depending on the construction of your deck or your meta you might like crux of fate fell the mighty hellfire winds yeah. of wrath like <laughs> catastrophe
1: a yeah, i love catastrophe so much
0: so, so there's so many good cards that either like either give you a lot of choice, a lot of versatility on your wrath, or there's ones that are just, like, way easier to cast or more mana efficient. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not in love with this card. I think that... Yeah, I'm not in love with this card. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, something to note, I think all of the
1: story cards are Orzhov-related. Oh, no, right? there is the uh, the
0: the one that makes Centaurs. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, oh, cool, yeah, this next one is awesome. Mm-hmm. This is... Theater of Horrors, it is 1 black-red for an enchantment. At the, at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. During your turn, if an opponent lost life this turn, you may play cards exiled with Theater of Horrors. And then you can pay 3 in a red. Theater of Horrors deals 1 damage to target opponent or planeswalker. So one thing that I really want to point out about this card is that it's not like Outpost Siege. You yes. can, yeah you on any turn you can cast any of the cards exiled on previous turns. So really it's almost like a second hand of cards that keeps growing. And there are a couple commanders that really want a second hand of cards. Yeah. <laughs> so like Malphagore, for example. Oh Malfi. Like he is gonna make you discard your hand, but if you've got Theatre of Horrors on the battlefield then you're you got an insurance policy you've got things to cast especially if you're cracking in with your huge commander <laughs> yeah neheb the worthy like he gives you a bonus only if you have one or fewer cards in hand but he doesn't really care about how many you have in exile that are able to be cast yeah so this that's this is a great way to get around those kinds of commanders however i don't think it's good enough for most red black lists mm-hmm I think there's just better ways to get card advantage on a regular basis. Once you've got, like, Phyrexian Arena, Necropotence, yeah. Underworld Connections, there's... You don't really need one like this that requires you to jump through hoops. Yeah, I think that a lot of the, like, smaller, aggressive creatures with Rakdos
1: and the color identity already have better options, or don't need it, or, like, would like things to be in the graveyard is a lot... Like, pretty common case. Mm-hmm. But I mean that being said, like I'm super happy about this card. Like I mean, I'm really happy for the Maelfiqor tech cuz Maelfiqor doesn't really have much mm-hmm. in the way of tech. He just kind of gets in there. So that's pretty interesting that like he has some cool cool stuff to work with now. But even if I'm not going to use this immediately, I'm always happy to see stuff like this just because like when they put designs like this into files, it means that in the future, when we get new commanders, we have more things to work with, mm-hmm. and that that's awesome. Like this, this card does something really interesting, and that is a good thing. Even if right now we we're not going
0: to throw it into every deck or something like that. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, I, so that those are all of the new cards that we wanted to talk about that Mm -hmm. we thought might be relevant in Commander. Mm -hmm. So now I want to shift to what our overall thoughts of the set are. We've seen everything by this point, so I think we can start to come up with an impression of what ravnica allegiance does for commander and personally i think this set was better for commander than guilds of ravnica yeah
1: yes
0: (laughs) i think that there were a lot more unique cards a lot more niche cards in this set than there were in guilds of ravnica like the the power is more concentrated in weird stuff yeah whereas ravnica had a lot of like rav guilds of ravnica's power was concentrated in staple effects or variants on existing cards so things like plague crafter assassin's trophy beast whisperer Knight of autumn goblin crater maker all of these were variants on existing cards and they were kind of just like oh here's an efficient removal spell here's (laughs) another efficient removal spell here's another efficient removal spell (laughs) it's just things that will kind of steal card slots away from whatever makes your deck unique because now you can't build a green black deck without thinking about assassin's trophy like that one slot is kind of already consigned yeah to that whereas with ravnica allegiance there's a lot of weird stuff going on you've got your like verity circle you've got your um smothering tithe sm- font of Agonies. yeah and and i think that like the few good stuff cards we did get were on were in, like, the weaker colors in Commander. Yeah. So they were kind of shoring up the weaknesses of these colors. So, so like you said, Smothering Tide. Yeah. Like, white doesn't get to ramp, but in this set, it got a pretty good option for yeah. doing so. Red, it doesn't... Its spot removal doesn't match up with, like, any of the other colors. <laughs> so it got Electro-Dominance, and now it's got this way to, like, efficiently kill creatures in a way that makes sense in red. Mm-hmm. But also like isn't a huge waste of mana yeah and then light up the stage like that's red super cheap card advantage that in a way that makes sense for the color and, and shores up the color's weaknesses yeah so it seemed like on the one hand you've got a bunch of for the the stronger colors they tend to got get like weirder stuff that stuff you have to work for mm-hmm. or that fit only in certain decks And then for the weaker colors, they got just the bread and butter that they kind of needed. That's that's how I'm looking at the set right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's. I kind of see the
1: same thing going on where, like, a lot of the interesting, weird effects, they put power into them in, like, this weird corner. So, uh, like, Awaken the Earth's Wild is an example of that. Like, just this is a weird, kind of, like, different angle on this effect that. Is very powerful when you use it correctly, but you can't just throw it into, like, X black commander and just win
0: immediately. Yeah, absolutely. I I also think that, like, the commanders in this set were better yeah. than, than in Ravnica yeah, Allegiance. 100%. Uh, even though there were fewer of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, Ravnica Allegiance, like, the Boros commanders didn't really add a lot to the format. That's so sad. The, uh... Like, Tristani didn't mm-hmm. add a lot. It seemed like the only exciting ones were, like, Niv-Mizzet, who, cre- like, gives you this option to do another combo deck, but the win condition is still kind of, like, the same as the original Niv-Mizzet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, Lazav, that's that's a cool, like, graveyard combo deck. Azoni's mm-hmm. just kind of a... Yeah, Izzoni's
1: got kind of didn't get... Azoni's a better main deck card than a commander, because... Yeah. A bunch of one ones like there are other commanders that give you a bunch of guys, mm-hmm. and they're usually better
0: guys. Yeah. So, but like Atrada is like clearly not built for commander. <laughs> commander is not meant for commander. Yeah. There are just a lot of missteps in in Ravnica Allegiance, and I feel like the crop we had here or in in Guild Guild of, Ravnica, of Ravnica, yeah. But I feel like the crop in Ravnica Allegiance was stronger. I'm really happy with both Judith. Is, yeah. I think that's a, a cool alternative to L'Zolda. Rakdos, Lord of... or Rakdos, the showstopper, yeah. uh, gives people a demon tribal commander if they're interested in that, or, like, just a competent black-red control commander if they mm-hmm. want that. Teysa Karlov. I think she's fantastic. Yeah. And this Nikia that seems to add a new, a new yeah. archetype to the format. That's definitely a new deck that didn't exist before. hmm Prime Speaker Vanifar... Like, yeah. <laughs> birthing Pod as a commander, that's pretty cool. It's like a a fixed Momir. Yeah, I mean? like, yeah it, in a lot of ways. So I think that there's just a lot going on with this sets. Commander is really pleased with them. I think they definitely built towards... They we're thinking about Commander as they were designing these.
1: Yeah, and that that is a huge like, relief, because I was not really expecting to... Especially when I saw Bedevil. Um, when I saw it, I was like, oh no, now we're going to get what we got with guilds again mm-hmm. just like good effects and i'm so happy i was wrong i'm so happy that they they did kind yeah. of have a kind of wider scope in
0: mind when they're designing these cards mm-hmm. one thing i, I want to mention just from a story perspective yeah so i don't fully get why bolus chose gruel as one of the the guilds that he wanted to take over yeah so like from his perspective if I, if i were him like he knows that not all the guilds are really created equal or, or, like, equally useful to have control of. Yeah. And I think he was really smart in four of his choices. Like, if you gain control of the Orzov, you control the entire plane's banking system. That's yeah. really powerful. Or if you control the Azorius, like, you control all the laws that are being written. Like, what can't you do? hmm If you control the Gilgari... Then you control like the food supply for the entire plane, and if you control the is it, then you control all of the like utilities and engineering. Yeah, and you basically like those four give him a huge like. How can you really rise up against someone who can like shut off your food, shut off your lights, yeah. shut off your water, <laughs> like write laws that make whatever you're doing illegal? Yeah, like he has so much power by with those four guilds, and then for his last choice. He chooses, like, Gruel, who are, who are kind of, like, the biggest losers on Ravnica. <laughs> they just don't even fit anywhere in society. They're just off-kicking rocks in their rubble fields. Yeah. Like, I, I do not get what he thought he would gain by controlling them. Like, it's
1: very silly.
0: Like, just imagine if instead of sticking, like... Or instead of co-opting Domri Raid, wh- why not try to gain power over the boros like if you have if you control the police force in addition to everything else then wow yeah that is a that is a dragnet that is an iron grip on the fabric (laughs) of Ravnican society because really who cares about the rakdos all they do is like put on carnivals and like cause mayhem the Simic are completely separated from the rest of society. They don't really interact with it. They're just in their labs doing experiments. Yeah. <laughs> like the Celestia, they don't really provide a service. It's just like they are a commune that's kind of self-contained and trying to do its own thing. The the Gruel are losers, we know that. <laughs> and then the Demir don't really provide a service. Like the Demir might be useful if you're doing like a surveillance thing, but it seems like Azorius has a lot of the same abilities oh
1: no I totally feel that I I think the only reason that I've been able to come up with to justify Gruul being the one they picked was that he wanted someone to cause a ruckus mm-hmm. uh, and in that case like why not I feel like it would have been super easy to get Rakdos on your side because I feel like they're much better at causing a ruckus and also shared two of his three colors yeah so, it probably wouldn't have been too hard to be like, hey, like, like I'll help you out. All you gotta do is throw, like, the
0: biggest party. Mm. Instead of, like, hey. Maybe, may, honestly, maybe that's what's going on with the story spotlight cards. Like, maybe what's happening is. Um, so, I think you're onto something there. So, Rampage of the Clans might be Bolas telling Domri, like, Hey, I want you to just stir up some trouble with the gruel. <laughs> like, get everyone really pissed off at the gruel. And then, Dovin is going to come in with this emergency powers, oh, that story yeah, spotlight, yeah. and be like, hey, like, clearly the, the gruel are causing a problem. I'm going to put us under martial law <laughs> just so we can deal with this gruel problem because man they are up to something they're going nuts and so the majority of Ravnikans are like yeah yeah okay please get them under control so maybe it is useful to have gruel as just like a scapegoat <laughs> like for, a throwaway guilt. <laughs> yeah to like direct everyone's attention at so he can like quietly position everyone else where he needs them
1: because I think that was one of the things he wanted. Was he wanted someone to riot? And I can see if that's the case why they did that with Gruul, Because Gruul likes breaking stuff. But mm-hmm. in the same vein, like I feel like you could have done that with Rakdos, mm-hmm. too. I think really, the but then we wouldn't
0: have gotten two cool Rakdos commanders. No, yeah,
1: which is good. I think the the meta reason, like beyond just story implications, is mm-hmm. that. They wanted uh, Rakdos and Demir and like kind of these black guilds to be the heroes this time around because Demir in particular has not really gotten mechanics that were like fun <laughs> or like super interesting to build around. Like uh, not gotten many powerful cards, and Rakdos is the same. Like kind of two mechanics that really just didn't didn't really land in mm-hmm. the past. Kind of sad. So I think this time around they're like, well, now they're the good guys. <laughs> So I think that's, like, the meta reason for mm-hmm. it would be... And that this this is not confirmed. This is all my opinion on it. So mm-hmm. that that's just what I, I've been thinking. All right. Well, everyone, buy the Ravnica novel when it gets released yeah. in April. Yeah. You can find out for yourself. Yeah, we're all going to find out. But, yeah, I think... Do you want to mention some of your favorite cards? Or?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I'm definitely... Really happy with electro dominance, smothering tie, light up the stage. Mm-hmm. I think we're making progress in terms of yeah. <laughs> evening out the colors a little bit. Red, certainly. I'm really happy with all these like cheap, sort of cantrippy effects, like the oh yeah, the the faithless lootings, the cathartic reunions, the the light up the stage. Just red being able to improve its draws a little bit i also agree with that yeah. it's like, cool to see red get some tech mm-hmm. like like some good tech yeah just the ability to not be at the mercy of its draw step any longer to be able to filter through cards a little bit yeah or get some advantage uh and then of course red getting better spot removal with electro dominance and white getting some ramp power mm-hmm. considering like it has an iconic creature type. It has, like, like people want to be able to cast their angels. Yes. But you're, they're not allowed to. I know, yeah.
1: You're like, oh, well, I know. I see that person over there has got an 8 mana creature, but I'm still on 5. So mm-hmm. I'm going to gonna sit here mm-hmm. and
0: wait for my turn to 8. What, yeah. White is the color <laughs> of waiting your turn. Yeah,
1: even if you hit all your land drops. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh, thank, thank, uh. Thank Jeebus, it's turn 7, and I can can maybe draw my 6th land. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think my favorite cards, I, I agree with you with the Electrodominance and Smothering Tithe. Uh, I really like to Awaken the Erstwhile, and the, uh, I forgot the name of it, Theater of Horrors. Mm. I, like I said, like I'm probably not going to use this card, at least immediately, mm.
0: but I'm very happy it exists. It's It's a really cool way to do that. Absolutely. And I hope that we see more cards like it in the future where like, yeah, your cards are exiled, but you don't have to immediately cast everything you exile with impulsive draw. Yes. Yeah. Like same with light up the stage. The fact that It's not until the end of your next turn that you have to cast it. Just being able to get a little breathing room and not get this twinge of anxiety (laughs) every time you exile something good. Yeah, I I do have friends who don't play with a lot of the impulse draw
1: cards, even though they probably should. Mm -hmm. Just because they're like, man, I hate having to cast this when it's not as good. It's like, well, that's that's how it be. (laughs) That's how it be sometimes. Yeah, I think that's kind of it for the set so far in the the set review i think we have a little bit of something to say we have some thank yous to
0: give out yes absolutely so i want to thank bradley pullen gustav Nyland, and ryan white king these are our first patreon patrons Uh, if you want to join them and start getting sweet perks then again head over to patreon.com slash commander theory or go to commander theory and click the link in the uh the bottom right so thank you all for listening and we will talk to you guys soon Goodbye. thanks for listening if you want to get in touch with me i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr if you want to reach zach he is at fat bartleby on twitter and tumblr the opening song is lincoln continental by entropy and you can check him out on soundcloud we'll talk to you guys next time